0: Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. Produced here in Sydney, Australia. My name's Matt Wakeling and thank you so much for joining me. Now today for episode number 80, we speak to Adam Miller. Adam's a wonderful Australian guitar player. We first met Adam last year just ahead of the Sydney Guitar Festival. Had him on the show for a brief interview. Found out about his influences which included Tommy Emmanuel and Charlie Hunter. Adam plays solo shows really in, in in that style, so he can play the bass, the, the chordal stuff, the melodies on top. Fantastic all that polyphonic approach. Also, is a great band player, and his new album, The Defining of Success, is a trio record with drums, bass, and Adam's own fantastic guitar playing. It was a lot of fun talking about the album and catching up with Adam. Now, before we get to that, I need to give a big shout-out. To uh, all of you for listening in, because today is our second anniversary episode. We've been producing the podcast since April 2016. Our first guest was Michael Dolce, and we've had many other guests since then. And it's been great fun speaking to some of the leading guitar players from Australia and all around the world luthiers, gear builders, uh, documentary producers you name it, we've talked to lots of really interesting guitar people and it's been great. So thank you for tuning in, thank you for listening. So whether you've been around for two years or, or you're relatively new to the show or somewhere in between, it's, it's just great having our listeners all over the place. So thank you for being on the journey with us. If you are new to the show, we've got, well, 79 other episodes apart from this one, which you're, you're welcome to check out through iTunes or Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio. So whether you're on iOS or Android or something else, it's easy to get a hold of these episodes. All right, we're going to move along. So here's my conversation with Adam Miller. Hope you enjoy it. Adam Miller, welcome back to the Guitar Speak podcast.
1: Oh, awesome. Thanks for having me back.
0: Mate, our, our pleasure. I was very excited to hear about your new record. Um, mm. So last time we spoke, just to back up a little bit though, I think we spoke, it must have been around June, Um twenty seventeen, June or July and yep. we were, um that was heading into the Sydney guitar festival. Yeah, exactly. Which was super cool. I got to um I got to catch your gig and meet you which I loved after the gig with um that gig with Joe Robinson and Michael Fix at Lead Belly. Yeah,
1: that was a huge night.
0: That was cool man, loved it. Yeah. And um since then you've been like non stop. What's been
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> what's been going on since then? Yeah, sorry, man. I'm just jumping in because it's still non-stop. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's basically been like the last six or seven years, actually. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um, just still basing myself in Australia, but doing as much around the world as I can means that it's a lot of time on planes. Yeah. So, yeah, constantly around. I think um, I was speaking to you in Japan on That's tour. Right. And then um, since then, it's been a couple of U.S. tours. Uh, a lot of playing around Australia, and then getting an album out and mixed and mastered, and happy with how it sounds, and playing and uh, into the world.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. That's that is very cool. I see you went
1: you're at Nam earlier
0: this year. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. Oh look, Nam. Um, I've got to be honest, to me, these days, is almost a little holiday. <laughs> uh, I, I actually don't know how many I've been to now. I went to my first winter NAMM show in 2010 okay. yeah. for Cole Clark Guitars. Yeah. Uh, and then since then, it's sort of, um, there's been a little bit of business things, but now it's just this awesome time to hang out with all my friends from around the world, like nice. the builders and musicians and sales guys and... Yeah, like especially so many of the products that I am involved with now, like they're actually just really good friends first and foremost. Now, like that's really cool. It's just awesome. They also make insane gear too. <laughs> so, but it's really just a good hang. And I really am into gear and guitars, so it's nice to be able to wander around and play some things and check it out between the chaos that it is of. The sound of a thousand people playing guitar at once. <laughs> yeah,
0: everyone I talk to goes that they just go, it's crazy. And I always say, well, did you see anything cool? And they're like, nah, I've just been in my booth oh. for three days. Just <laughs>
1: oh, if, yeah, crazy. definitely. If, they, if you're working for a company, it's a totally different thing. Sure. My first time, I was pretty much stuck to the booth, and I was, uh, you know, I think I got out for maybe twenty minutes each day to look around. But yeah, it would, right. it's uh, when when you're. <laughs> Free as I am these days of just to wander and I have a few performances a day to get around to but it's still not very stressful compared to those oh, cool. early days but you definitely get to see a lot of things and just meet up with people um, you know a lot of people get over the whole business side of it and the amount of guitar playing on but I love it it just sort of seems like you know music's still alive and that sort of thing and the fact where yeah There's so many people there in one place doing it and hanging out because I think it's like hundred thousand people go over the space of the uh, four days.
0: Four days. Wow.
1: Four days. So that's I think that's attendance and the people actually working there as well. But it's yeah, it's so cool just to and it's all different, you know, styles of music happening around. Like there's this weird mariachi metal band I've seen (laughs) going around that play metal songs but in a mariachi style with a proper mariachi outfit. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's it's an amazing place and yeah, if uh, if anyone listening ever gets a chance to go, don't let someone that's bitter about it from going <laughs> too many times talk you out of it. It is incredible.
0: That's awesome. I guess I I should my disclaimer is the people like the guests on my show, I don't know if they're bitter, but they just they just say it's crazy. So maybe, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I so think it's, it's like a bit of did, both yeah, and I think sure. You, you know, like sometimes when I'm performing there, like it's sometimes it, it is a lot better from a distance than it is in real life. Like yeah. basically I'm playing at a insane volume. And I still can barely hear myself because <laughs> there's 25 other people with Marshall, you know, quad yeah. boxes faced at me
2: yeah.
1: shredding as well. So it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I just really like it still. So
0: that's great, man. Um, yeah. Now we're going to, we're going to get to your your new album, the defining of yeah. successful, which I'm really i loving the album. Really excited to talk about that, um, and mm. I think that will lead us to some nerdy gear talk as well as totally composition. But who are the some of the some of the companies you're working with? So when you say you're hanging with these companies, at NAM, oh, who, who like are they?
1: some of my closest friends are like two rock amplifiers.
0: Oh yeah, cool.
1: Um, or oh, Nick Huber guitars. Yeah. Uh, at the NAMM show, uh, like there's a few others I've sort of do work, some performance for like P. Angelico and, yeah. well, Seymour Duncan who are all really great friends now. Yeah, I saw you there. Uh, saw the and then, um, yeah, and then a lot of the, just the, the small builders, I've just always had, um, a close relationship with a lot of, so the guys making, hand-making acoustic guitars that build like 10, 12 a year, wow. that sort of thing, so, um. You know a lot of them are really good friends, and any opportunity I can help to you know get guitars into the hands of people that you can, like I can't buy them all. so
2: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: it's uh, all that sort of stuff is very cool to just uh, there's a particular like a young guy out of l a named Isaac Yang who um, is uh, just thirty, which is pretty young for an acoustic guitar builder he's developed like a huge reputation that just makes these guitars, they're a work of art Wow. but you also want to scratch them to death because they play and sound so good. <laughs> yeah, That's
0: cool. I see you met um, a friend of our show's, uh, Greg Mara, while you were over there?
1: Oh yeah, Greg Greg and I go back a while. We have a mutual friend who's another guitar builder actually okay. uh, by the name of Frank Sauber. Who has his own company called Falbo Guitar. Yeah, and yeah I've heard actually Greg working mentions. on. Uh, yeah, he's working on uh, the Tosin Abasi. I don't actually know how to say his name. Oh, okay, I've read yeah. it so many times. Do you know?
0: Uh, I, I assume things? that's how it goes. I don't know. I've never, yeah. I've never tried to pronounce it live. I always just yeah. Read I've it. never had to say it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, same thing. So yeah. I just second guess myself. But he's making his guitars. But oh, okay, I met Greg okay. through him. So nice. yeah.
0: There you go. Small world. It is. Hey, as we speak, today's February the... No, it's not. It's April. <laughs> today's <laughs> April the 8th, I think, in, in Australia yes. at the moment. And Correct. you're about you're about to head off to the States tomorrow. Um, yeah. So what's happening in the States? So playing-wise, aside from there, what, what are you building over there? Are there particular
1: well, parts I of the think country? I've just folks? been touring pretty heavily there for six, seven years now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just trying to build things up, and yeah, just get the name out as much as possible. At the moment, I'm predominantly doing solo guitar shows. Yeah. Um, I get to do the odd trio show and things over there, but it's predominantly solo guitar. Okay. And it's um, yeah, it's just amazing. Like the biggest thing about the two things about the US uh, for a musician are just the Like, the size of the place, just the amount of people in a concentrated area Uh that all still speak English and, um, you know, you can, not that I've still been able to really coordinate it, but you can go an hour in any direction pretty much from where you are and you're basically in a city as big as Newcastle where I live. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's just a numbers game and then just the fact sort of the world looks to it. So it's always an opportunity to catch up with press and promotional stuff and that sort of thing over there. Um, I, 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 yeah, I feel the need to talk about it, but it's like, it's not like the US is better than anywhere else, like Australia or anything else. Like any audience is an audience and it's amazing. But the, the focus of the world sort of to there, um, definitely makes it a regular destination, and also you know the the complications of actually being able to work there with visas and stuff mean okay. that you've got to make the most of it while you've got them yeah <laughs> so sure that's been a big thing for me
0: yeah i mean the the concentration of like you said focus on the guitar community you know just from that that continent alone is is staggering, especially what knocks me out, and it's just. It's just geography, but the landmass of Australia is not much different to the landmass of North America. The continental US, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And yet, yeah, population-wise, it's just exponentially bigger.
1: Yeah, you don't realise till you just start driving sometimes, and you just realise that cities, you're not really travelling between cities. Okay. <laughs> like, it's just one, it just, they just all blur into one forever. Yeah. Um, Like, especially, yeah, certain drives, it just happens. You just like, oh, wow, we've just, I'm not really in the middle of nowhere, which happens in Australia within 20 minutes of driving. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, even between Sydney, where I live, and Newcastle, where you live, it's not that far, but you feel like you are getting a fair look at the bush on your way there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in in the middle of nowhere for, you know, quite a bulk of it, seemingly. So it's, yeah, it's... And that that's sort of the biggest thing with over there, and just the focus of the the media still. So. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely been fun journeying through, and one of the great thing about touring, especially for me at the moment, because I'm not huge, and it's not like I just go I'm coming here to play, and it all happens. Sometimes I just get random offers from people wanting to help out promote a concert or. Okay. even house concerts and that sort of thing. So okay, cool. it just puts me in areas I would never think to go. Like I have no idea, never heard of the place before, no idea what's there, but it's just awesome that it takes you there for a day you know, or two, which is pretty much how I'm used to traveling now. That, okay. And I've pretty much worked out that my missions, if I've got, an hour or two spare is to try and find a decent coffee slash espresso place. If <laughs> yes. People are listening overseas because that's coffee is not only espresso really in Australia, or a guitar store. Okay. Um, and you know if I can find one of those things, usually they're in a hip, cool area, and I find other stuff on the way. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. So that's <laughs> you know that, that that's just become my my touring slash. Uh, vacationing plan to check out places. Yeah, nice. Find coffee and guitar stores, and That's you'll find cool. like-minded people as well, which is also good.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, what mm. are some of your favourite spots for the, either of those two goals?
1: Um. Oh well, let's. Guitar stores is terrifying. Yeah, there's definitely been some, you know, pretty amazing finds over the years. Uh, one of the first ones. Actually, because this is just an awesome story, my very first trip to the US by myself, sort of just as you know mid twenties, just having a look around. I wasn't playing, Mm -hmm. really, Uh, but just sort of checking it all out. I went to Rudy's Music Shop in New York, York, which is a bit of a bit of an institution um, still, and uh, was unfortunately the last store on the famous Forty Eighth Street, where all the guitar stores were. Guitar Row, I think it was called for a long time, um, and they had to close that store down recently, and they've moved into this other one. But okay. just just going in there and kind of like I'd seen that store in magazines, and I I remember especially seeing it like in a making of a John Mayer album video.
2: Okay, okay. where
1: he went in one day to you know try some guitars. So yeah. just being able to go in there and just hang out and then. You know, the guys in there were super welcoming and lovely. And I actually, so the story, I was talking to them about going to see Les Paul. Mm -hmm. Les was still alive and played every Monday in New York at the time. Yeah, But I was staying, yeah, and I was staying in a hostel and I had a Cole Clark with me and I was really scared to leave it in my room ever. Like I'd take it out with me everywhere. Uh, And I said, oh, if I go to this club, will will they let me in with a guitar? And they said, yeah, you'll be fine because often people come in to get guitars signed. So they'll just think, do that. I went, oh, good, okay, so I can go out tonight and try and see Les Paul. So I turned up and I had no idea that this show sells out for months in advance. Uh So I got to the front door with my guitar and they said, yeah, it's sold out tonight. And I just said, as a joke, oh, I'm one of the guest artists. (laughs) <laughs> and they said, oh, okay. And they took me downstairs backstage. No way. And ended up doing two shows that night with Les Paul. <laughs> <That> <laughs> Which was insane. Man, what's that like? Yeah. What's that like? <laughs> um, Oh, that was a trip. Yeah. That was just, uh, yeah, just... Being on stage with that sort of legend, and I'm definitely familiar with his music as much as I am with his inventing. Okay, okay. okay. From like the the Les Paul log to those sort of things, but also like his contribution to multi-track recording, sort of the inventing of tape delay, and then getting into like all the things we can actually do now with pedals, like double timing up the octave. So it sounds like you're playing double speed and all that. So, um, yeah, I, I, look, I don't remember much about it. Um, I remember talking to Les about a lot of different things like pickups and yeah. that. And, the you know, the couple of things I did get away from it was Les was before he went on stage and called me up, he just said, remember, no one cares about how good you play guitar. This is a show. <laughs> so put on a show for the people.
0: Okay,
1: okay. Um, and that was that was really amazing. Yep. And then second of all, it just sort of, I was at a stage, you know, mid-twenties where I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to grow up and get a real job and, you know, move on from this. But that night was a real turn in me going, yeah. coming back to Australia and really actually sort of upping things and, okay. yeah, taking it actually more seriously.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: So, yeah.
0: That's, that's. The best. That's the best story ever.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, good. and that was just from going to hang out in the guitar store because I didn't know what else to do.
0: <laughs> there you go. Far out. That's so mm. cool. So cool. All right, man. Well, man, your new album's out. We've mentioned it a couple of times. We should talk about this because it's such yeah. a great record. Also, so happy to hear from you. When and uh, yeah, really appreciated the sneaky pre-release listen and um, mm. felt special, man. And it's it's great. <laughs> So yeah. what's what's the process? Because you've done, this is probably your first solo album in around four years, although I know you did a, some collaborations yeah, as
1: well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It wasn't meant to take that long. It was actually meant to be out in 2016.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and we'd uh, done some sessions for it, but then not long after, I broke my arm. Okay. In a mountain biking accident. <laughs> That's not cool. So it sort of yeah, put me back for a while just getting sort of back to where I needed to be. Okay. And then the the guys on the album, so the album's a trio record. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Essentially. Uh and but they are also so insanely busy
2: yeah.
1: that it was uh really hard to coordinate recording it after that. So the um the drummer on the album is uh Don Bor hmm who uh, I started, who's from Newcastle as well. I started playing with him, I think, when he was about nineteen, okay. and we just started doing predominantly duo stuff together. Okay, cool. and so and we just sort of developed this thing, just this style and this way of playing and playing off each other, just from doing local gigs. Predominantly, we did a little bit of touring in Australia, but it was predominantly just these little corner of the bar gigs that just turned into. Hundreds of people turning up all the time for them, and then, um, and you know, fantastically for him, he's developed into one of the finest drummers I think in the world, and he's now the drummer in Gang of Youths, and and has been for well three or four years now. So um, he's off touring the world with them, Mm -hmm. Um, and especially last year, he wasn't in Australia very often. So that, that presented some challenges, and then my bass player is uh, one of my best friends, and we grew up playing together. Okay. Uh, his name's Mitch Cairns, so he grew up in Newcastle as well, he's now based in Melbourne, uh, and he's uh, the bass player and producer for Russell Morris. Okay. And for Leo Sayer, yep. and so he's uh, constantly on the road as well, and been working in the studio, so... Just just juggling all that and getting it together was uh, a bit of a mission. But we, I don't. Over the last few years, despite all of our touring and crazy stuff, we'd managed to do like maybe three or four shows together a year. Okay. <laughs> so which which doesn't sound like much, but yeah. for us it was enough to really develop. I think something really special. So yeah, nice. it was really important for me to capture those guys on this record.
0: Fantastic. Oh man, I love the rhythm section. I don't even like using that term because there's such great interplay. It just sounds like the three of you are. Yeah, like those guys are
1: just, yeah, just amazing. So, um, and we've, yeah, sort of over the time developed this, which happens in quite a few of the songs on the record, where, like, it is a guitar solo, but there's so much going on from everyone else and, like, calling and answering and responses and, it really becomes a band solo so yeah, it, yeah. That, that's that been really fun just sort of developing that and working it out and uh, sort of I, channeling it into an into an album as well which which was a bit more of the challenge from going from at gigs playing these songs for 10, 15 minutes to sort of condensing them down okay. to the 3 to 5 minutes for um, for a record yeah right when you yeah. talk
0: about band solo that the song fight especially like the second half of that tune is, is great the way you guys are
1: yeah i guess that's yeah so the, that one does have a guitar solo and then there it does go into a drum and bass solo but the second part of it is sort of this whole thing where i start stabbing chords i think in my head it's almost more like a horn line okay than a, than a guitar line yeah. and then yeah and then dom will play drums off that and then Mitch just yeah follows and sort of weaves everything together in the middle on the bass. So yeah, it's 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 really cool and um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't know what else to say about it, It's just just pulling that all together um, for the album was just a little bit tricky as far as everyone's times goes to make it work. And yeah,
0: like Les Paul, he broke his arm too. So,
1: yeah. yeah, well that's how. It is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Belly. And I'd heard, I'd heard your solo albums, um, but when I heard yeah. your lead belly last year, I thought, man, this guy's got all the time in the world. Like, And all great musicians have that. They, they never seem in a rush, even though they might be pulling off stupendously death-defying chops. But you, you, you yeah. can do that. You can definitely do that. But at the same time, you had a lot of... You really just took your time to build your grooves and things, and I love that. And you seem to have translated that into the band setting as well and in your writing is that something you're conscious of
1: yeah definitely i think it's and actually a lot of it came from breaking my arm okay. that a little while ago because that really slowed me up and not just it was immediately because actually the week after i broke my arm i had to tour europe okay <laughs> and so fun. well it wasn't it wasn't a I, I should clarify it was a fact so it wasn't actually the bones weren't completely displaced. Sure. But I was in a lot of pain outside of that. My wrist could barely turn over into the position to hold a guitar. Mm-hmm. Actually, I I had to teach at the University of Newcastle the next day after <laughs> I broke my arm, and I was holding my guitar like a cello. Oh
0: wow!
1: That's to just... teach a couple of things. <laughs> oh man. What's with really uh-huh.
0: the teacher today? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you have you mentioned. Was it your right or left left arm? It was my left. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I mean, either way, hand. Either way, it's bad, yeah. isn't it? But yeah, left arm.
1: That's yeah. But yeah, so having to go out and play mm-hmm. while I was in sort of severe pain really changed my set okay. and also changed some songs because I could play, yeah. but it was you know certain things were painful or stressful, so a lot of the the flashy, fast stuff sort of went, okay. especially for those shows. And yeah, then sure. it was focusing more on the other songs, and I just didn't think it would go very well anyway. And I found that people were responding to the music better, and actually I was like, oh, I, I like playing this better than trying to cram everything in and shred and show everything I can do in every song. So okay. yeah. it really it did focus things, you know, more back into the song and more back into sort of the the bare minimum of what it could be. Okay. And so, uh, and then translating that, especially from someone that does perform solo a lot and then letting go of a lot of those duties for a trio, not trying, it gives me this ability to, the way I think about separate parts is is that a lot on the album, I've got a melody and almost a, a rhythm part while the bass player's going, but they never really happen at the same time, not really playing multiple parts. It just works into this picture that seems bigger than it really is. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think um, Home, like the first track on the album, might be a good example of that because you've got your yeah. family, you're kind of responding with, with some chordal stuff.
1: Exactly, because that's a that's a funny little song. Like that was written because I just kept playing over this weird melody line, which sort of for the for the you know theorists out there, it's sort of like clashing sevenths and thirteens
2: uh-huh.
1: in a in the melody, and I, it was so it's four notes, so that whole melody is just that repeated, and I was writing it the afternoon of a show and I just went, oh, we don't really have much of a blues in the set anymore, so I kind of just put that melody over a a blues progression Mm -hmm. and then I kept expanding on substituting chords through the blues progression so it ends up that it's this 24 bar blues Nice. Uh, Yeah, and so there is a lot of space because it's just this melody that just repeats so the only way you can hear that the chords change is if I actually manage to play the chords as well and fit them in all the space okay. yeah so that ends up just being a really fun song to play mm-hmm. and a great one to um, yeah have guests come and play on as well because the chords are not your standard blues progression yep. but you can just sort of shred a blues over it as yeah, well yeah Yeah.
0: nice there's some great mm. overdubs on the record um, they're very subtle and, and, and tastefully done for the for the most part, there were some really obvious ones I'll, I'll get to, but so again, if we can yeah. stick on the track, It's the yeah. beautiful tremolo going on. What's what are you using for that?
1: Yeah, uh, just um, yeah on that. I just had an acoustic guitar and trem in the background. I think I do. I I sort of wanted a little bit more of a bed to play on, but I didn't really want to get a keyboard player in. Yeah, yeah. So I really wanted to try and create sounds that were like more of a. <laughs> More keyboard sort of sound out of the guitar, so I think you know on that song it's just the and Flint being a trem,
2: okay, and
1: just really simple uh, sort of voicings and parts, close voicing. so it sort of sounds almost like someone playing Rhodes,
2: yeah,
1: more rather than um, a guitar trem going on, and yeah, it's similar sure. with the guitar part, the acoustic guitar part and that I think I used my sand fret Traugott. Okay. Uh, acoustic guitar, which you're part of the whole fan fret thing as well is that it, every note is really clear and almost sounds like a piano.
2: Okay.
1: And so really, except for right at the end of the song, like I didn't strum the acoustic guitar like you normally would. Yeah. I sort of just finger-picked out the chord voicings again, the way someone might just play them on a piano and sustain them out. Yeah, nice, yeah.
0: nice. Hey, funny you mentioned that keyboard sort of approach. One of the tracks later in the album, it might be Lawn. I can't, oh, the name. Yeah, yeah, probably Is it that. The start of Lawn, you, you're clawing these clusters of chords. Is that,
1: have I got the right name? Yeah, it might be that. I, there's definitely a part later in okay. that where it's like a, I think that's the point again, actually, a harmonic trend, okay. And they're very, they're very close voicing. So, yeah, I was, yeah. you know, some people sort of think it's almost like an organ. Yeah. Sort of going in the background, but yeah. it's something I learned from Charlie Hunter years ago. Okay, through his stuff, um, where he uses the rotary speaker on the guitar side, okay, and just how you attack the notes, like very with a real lack of dynamics in a way. Yeah, the,
0: because
1: essentially, this... yeah, because it's like an organ where it doesn't yeah. have dynamics unless you actually hold the volume pedal. So you just sort of attack it and you play all the notes at the same time, which is a bit un-guitar-like as well. There's no flamming yeah. of the notes. So you just, by finger-picking it, you get that real organ sort of sound. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, the evenness of it, that I was, that, that held me because it's obviously, to me, it's obviously a guitar, but that you're just hitting each voice evenly, which sounds simple in theory, but in practice, you know, especially a fingerstyle player, you're often used to popping certain notes out to... Yeah, to I think melody, uh, was
2: really
1: something cool. I worked on a lot for a while just... Really approaching, uh, and it was definitely with that sort of rotary speaker sort of sound, and even like, or using a chorus on things, okay. where it was one thing to just turn the effect on, and it was like, oh, it sounds like an organ, but it sort of really didn't sound like an organ until you actually approached it that way and actually started yeah. playing the voicings the way a keyboard player would, and that's actually, you know, achieved more of the.
0: I'm talking about lawn. Um, mm. When we're talking about subtle overdubs, <laughs> this was not one of those
2: tracks. That,
1: that doesn't have subtle overdubs. Well, at the no. end,
0: anyway. Yeah, there's, there's these crazy aliens going on. What's how are you producing those?
1: Yeah, um, that sort of. There's actually, I think there's quite a few overdubs. I went a bit stupid on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's fun. And I loved it. Yeah, there's like um, there's like fuzz salt. Oh, there's like, by the end of the solo section, I think there's maybe like five or six actual solos.
2: Yeah, cool. <laughs> sort of
1: all going on the background with fuzzers. Some are actually similar to that. There's Paul thing we are talking about there. Like, uh, the Strymon timeline loop. I've looped something and then played it in double speed.
2: Okay, yeah, cool. So it's
1: up the octave playing way faster than I could <laughs> ever play. And then there's um, sustained... Uh, delay things as well like tape delays Uh, so holding those out with repeat so they're feeding back on themselves and sweeping through those to create those sort of just crazy sounds in the background which is a lot of uh, what I actually years ago I was doing it live a lot by just looping multiple solos randomly just to create intensity once again without actually having to shred So I didn't have to worry about trying to play really fast. I just played, just would loop something and then play it again and then double speed that so it was going a million miles an hour. And then while all that was going, I'd trigger a tape delay and sustain that and then just go, like, using the time control. That's
0: that's fun. Just, (laughs) Just to
1: create, like, sort of these quasi, like, you know, electronic dance music sort of sweeps as well.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: cool. Um, yeah.
0: Good times.
1: Mm. Good times. Yeah, that was fun to put together. That song.
0: The, the whole thing, the production's beautiful. I'm going to ask you about the guitars, but the drums, man, they're, they're so warm. Who, How'd you,
1: what's your yeah, benchmark well, for
0: drums? They're just beautiful tones.
1: Well, I actually did, yeah, I did record the album. Yeah, nice. So thank you. <laughs> um, a lot of that is just Dom, that's just how he sounds. Uh, oh. Most of the album is about four microphones on the drums, actually. Okay. Nice. Like kick, snare, beautiful. two overheads predominantly in like a Glyn Johns array for those in the know, So it's like, instead of it being two over the top, it's sort of one in front and one behind the the kick drum. Okay. But yeah, so it just creates this big open sound and and takes up a big, expansive part of the mix as well to be able to sort of do that. Um, I think I started... Working as an engineer and recording stuff in the late 90s. Okay. And it was in those days where you couldn't get multi channel sound cards. Okay. Yeah. And things. So from the very start, yeah, I think I I managed to buy like a Rode NT1. I think they were like $800 or something when I got it. Yeah. They were a fortune. And then, (laughs) so that was my good mic. So to record drums, I would always just put them usually throw a mic into the bass drum and then have the NT1 as an overhead Uh and it was always a compromise I'm like yeah one day I'll be able to throw 40 mics on the drums and it'll be awesome and now that I can do that (laughs) I've I've found it, i developed such a way of recording drums with that sort of thing that yeah, it just became that was the the sort of um, i just stuck with recording things that way yeah
2: cool. and it's
1: it's really nice to just yeah keep it simple and especially with a drummer like dom who has an amazing balance of the drum kit already yeah like you know when when a floor tom or a tom needs to stick out he hits it that way yeah and his cymbals are naturally balanced where they should be instead of being too loud so Uh it does it's you know it's it's as much the performer as it is the uh the technique yeah, for those sort of things, with drums, yeah.
0: That's great. It's, yeah, really earthy mm. and, and beautiful. Are you guys tracking? I imagine you're doing a lot of the tracking live as a trio.
1: <sighs> well, this this is the secret. Uh, unfortunately <laughs> for this album, we didn't get to do that Okay. with everyone's schedule. So a lot of it was actually Dom and I would play live together. Okay, yep. Um, And I would either just be playing guitar or I'd be playing the seven-string Charlie Hunter okay, guitar. Yeah, yep. So that has three bass strings and four guitar strings. Yeah. So that's what Dom and I would do, duo gigs, just to give us the feeling of bass and more, so rather than the, the melodic and solo things, right, more the feel and where we we're going to push things.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So... Um, yeah, so the result is actually nothing on the album was recorded live.
2: Okay, man,
1: it so, feels so super vibey. So, yeah, so what we had to do, a lot of it was sort of natural. When it was there, then Mitch and I could just play over the top, yeah, close sure. our eyes and do it. And But then other things, we I actually had to go back and chart out what I played.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: in the solo especially when Dom and I were playing together like accents and even like I would imply different chord voicings as I was just going through and that was part of it so there's a couple of songs where the solo sections were really intensely charted out for Mitch and I to be able to grab okay. accents and, or even just like little ideas like I think one was uh, in the song Comfortable that was actually one of the hardest ones for me to nail the solo okay. And so I charted out all these accents, which sort of fall on like the two, and yeah, the two end beat, and then I think other notes would just like go crazy here for a little while, okay. Just and then get out there, like play the weirdest thing you possibly can. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) They they were sort of my notes for Mitch and I to follow through on those.
0: Okay. Nice. Nice. I I love that tune, Comfortable. It was uh, for me. It was a little. Acid jazz, reminiscent. Yeah,
1: me back yeah, to my days. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's got that flammed like hip hop beat to it, which yeah. was actually just the start. I just, I think I heard a Christian Scott, tune, uh-huh. um, Christian Scott's New Orleans trumpet player that just had that, but do the glack, could do the glack, yeah, that flam cool. thing, and as soon as I just was. I had that idea in my head, that whole progression just flowed out, Nice. and and occasionally we've played it where we solo over the whole progression of the song, and it makes it quite complex, but on this, we just actually went back to A minor to D7, you know, the classic acid jazz jam progression, (laughs) really, just to yeah just to sort of uh make it a little bit easier to digest, uh-huh. I think my my feeling with that song, and especially in calling it comfortable is that it is slightly uncomfortable uh-huh. actually, a lot of people, depending on their music listening, like just can't get their head around it, which <laughs> I think is sort of funny.
0: I felt very comfortable on that track, man <laughs> yeah, nice interesting we it's interesting with the titles you've given all the songs one one word titles and the album is called The Defining of Success are those titles yep. your your idea of success
1: well they're they're not they're the journey of it ah. and that's that's sort of been this the idea of that you know I the idea of success is always changing and developing and that's why it's called The Defining of Success and not the definition
2: yeah. okay. of
1: success um And it's something I talk to a lot of people about, uh, like definitely like younger artists as well. But even people like my friends who who are my age, like late thirties and just changing and flowing with the world and what's going on. It's, it's always different to, to work out, you know, when you think you've sort of made it or if you've still made it or if you haven't started and, All the titles of the songs sort of came around this period of, for me, working it out for myself, Mm -hmm. what it is, like, am I happy with what I'm doing in life, and also seeing friends and things go through it as well and how that sort of, yeah, affects those. So the one-word titles were really about trying to expand on a really basic theme and hopefully... The idea is that people will look at that, and then I don't know, develop their own from that one simple word. Okay. So you know, and certainly getting into it, like what love is, and what it means to you, and what mm-hmm. what it necessarily sort of looks like, and home. The concept of home is yeah. an endless topic. Um, habit is a you know sort of very personal one, and. You know, that can be sort of anything. And for me, it's written from something very simple and stupid that I just started doing and can't seem to stop. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, drives me insane. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, and then, like, lawn, for example, really is about, for years, I lived in this house that had almost, like, a little property. Like, it took an hour to mow the lawn. But there was something really... Soothing and fun about actually getting around to doing it, <laughs> and just like pushing a lawnmower around for for an hour or two. Yeah, that was like, yeah, this is cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: um, guitars. The guitar tones are yeah. great, man. Um, let's work backwards a little bit. There's some slide parts. There's a couple of slide parts.
1: Yes. Okay, okay so that is. On? Well, that is another guest on the album. Okay. So that is a, a good friend of mine, Jason Lowe, and we did a little EP together actually a couple yeah, of years a couple ago years out, yeah. that we put out. Um, Jason also played on my last record, just on a song, mm-hmm. and I've produced and worked on his own records for a long time. Jason actually is more of a folk singer, like sort of more in the vein of like Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell. But he has this incredible gift for playing lap slide. Yeah, nice. So, uh, and a couple of the first shows we did um, playing these songs, yeah. I just got Jason up for a couple of songs. Yeah. I, he was just in town. He hadn't been actually in Newcastle for a while. So I just got him to jump up with us. And they sort of, that, those parts sort of became integral to the song. So I really wanted him to get on it. So... Um, they ended up being recorded really quick in the end. I think they were done in twenty minutes after we finished mixing his new album.
0: Okay. okay. Which
1: I, uh and yeah, he plays like a Cole Clark. Uh, what are they called, a Violet Oh yeah. yeah that Cole beautiful. Clark made for a while. But sort of a wise and born, sort of a yeah, solid a hollow, body thing.
0: Body, yeah. yeah.
1: With a with a horseshoe pickup in it. And okay,
2: cool. Uh,
1: I think I just had him playing into my old Messer Boogie. Okay. Nice. Mark two. Yeah, yeah it sounds great. Yeah.
0: He takes a little solo. Is it on habit? Is that where he
1: takes Habit. Solo? He has this great solo. Yeah. yeah but... um, which is just su- super melodic to the yeah. point now, where I've sort of learnt his solo. Oh, nice. And it, so when I'm playing it without him, I sort of incorporate his solo just into the chords through there, and it's, it's just it's really become part of the song. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: guitar tones are beautiful they, they feel so touch responsive you can feel when you're digging in um, there's a little bit of breakup on on a lot of the tones um, yeah and then when you back off yeah, you know, there's this just very soulful clean kind of thing how are you getting those tones happening
1: yeah there's a few different things on the album so there's uh, there's only two guitars I played yeah uh, one is my Nick Hoover Ritzbergen okay yeah so, so Nick's a builder from Germany yeah. and basically the guitar looks like a giant 335 size Kelly
0: yeah, yeah, um, I've I've, yeah I've seen it and
1: that's basically what it is like it's actually it's still long scale length so it's okay. not short scale yep. and then I've got in that two Lola gold foil pickups uh-huh. which is single coil so when you when you actually hear it played and you feel it it feels like a big Kelly to okay. play cool. but it it just has this glorious sound. I'd, I'd waited for that guitar for like seven years, <laughs> yeah. and I was really scared to get it.
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> but then, when I did finally get it, was everything I sort of dreamed it would be. Yeah. So, um, it's on half the record, and then the other half is a Thin Line Tele yep. uh, that I built from parts. Okay. So it's got it's got an MJT Thin Line body, mm-hmm. the neck is a solid ro- Indian rosewood warm-off neck. Oh, yeah, so nice. one piece, but nice. Indian rosewood. And probably the little secret in it is it's got a fib- a Seymour Duncan firebird pickup in the neck okay. position, which is actually super-glued to slabs of rosewood again that are super-glued to the body because I accidentally broke the tabs off to pick-up <laughs> installing it and I wanted it to work. Yep. So... Um, that's my little tonal secret nice super going to pick up into the guitar <laughs> kids that's how yeah. you get out of Miller sound yeah so, <laughs> so those those two guitars have really been my mainstay for quite a while now okay um, and then I guess just slight variations on a Telecaster yeah okay um, and then the amps used on the album I used two amps um, I use my two rock classic reverb signature mm-hmm on everything but let me think, it was drugs and sleep which i used a sixty fender vibra champ on
0: okay and they're both super clean kind of tones aren't they the
1: the vibra champ yeah no actually they're pretty dirty okay <laughs> they're, they're like they're just a little gritty they're a bit okay. ugly
0: <laughs> maybe put um, back to the front i think bits of drugs maybe... sounded clean to me but perhaps
1: I think it does, but by the time it gets through it's it's a bit gross. Okay. <laughs> Which is what I like about the that little amp. It's yeah, sort yeah. of it's not like the Tweed champ that barks straight away. Okay. It's sort of it's got this guise that it's clean and then it sort of turns to grossness if you just <laughs> push it a little bit harder, especially with my guitars that have slightly hotter pickups. Okay. Than like your traditional tellies I guess. So sure. um so those were basically just yeah, the I think the Strymon Flint reverb in front of that, yep. and that was it for those two songs. The two rock uh, rig was a little bit more, just a couple of different overdrives depending on the song. Okay. Um, there are a few songs that are just straight clean, uh-huh. like uh, maybe or well, most of Love, yep. except I switch on a, a Vemaram Janray. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, for a bit of overdrive in that one. Yeah. Comfortable is definitely just all the two rock clean. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't record very loud. Okay. I, yeah. I find I'd never really play that loud. Um, well, I think I am pretty loud, but you know, it's not like I'm cranking amps to 12 o'clock on the master volume. Like yeah, the master sure. volume on my amp is actually like. And even at shows, is only ever really around 9 o'clock.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So, Or maybe less. So I I recorded the album at that volume as well. I think because I'm just used to that volume, as soon as I turn it up more, it actually feels too intense to me. Okay. So I had to use, yeah, like... The two-rock breaks up just a little bit in the front end if I play a little bit harder, but um, a lot of the touch-sensitive stuff came from... Uh, this pedal called the Nordvang Number One Overdrive. Okay. Um, made in, um, I can't think of where it's made now. Uh, a guy Henrik Nordvang. Um, oh, it's in Europe. <laughs> I've lost the name. Yeah. Oh, that's, I'll work it out. That's all <laughs> all. I guess with the volume yeah.
0: thing too, though. Once, once you push these, once you push your tube amp a bit you're getting more compression which a lot of people like but for you it to my ear anyway hearing the record it sounds like yeah it's such a big deal for you to be able to drive to really play the amp with your um, with your touch
1: yeah and look that that is the whole two rock/dumble thing you yeah. know like that's that is really where they win is that they have this incredible sort of compression all the time to them Uh-huh. It's not, it's not obvious, but there's something about the way that when you play a note, that it responds back. Mm-hmm. That you, I really haven't found in any other amp design. I would say like there's, there's a few different companies that can make it, and obviously I have a long history with Turok, but and my current amp is unbelievable. Yeah, uh, but it's just yeah, that feel is always there, and you know it's it's so beautifully responsive and so much sustain, uh-huh. like that. Sometimes you would think that there's like crazy amounts of overdrive on, but it's not. It's, yeah, it's really incredible. Awesome, awesome. Mm.
0: Man, when you're touring, what what will you do for for gear? You're probably limited in some ways as to what you
2: can. Uh, in,
1: internationally, I'm definitely. <laughs> uh, Struggle for gear a bit. I have a two rock that lives in LA. Okay. I have two rocker in Northern California, so I can usually get some things from them. Okay. Yep. Pending time as well for me, how much time in between things on the road for an electric guitar sound. I'm basically touring with the Flint for reverb mm-hmm. uh, and a trim just so I've sort of got those sort of consistent things. And I use an Ethos Clean preamp, oh, okay, yep. um, which is another sort of dumbbell simulator yeah, pedal, yeah, I guess. True. So are you um, running that direct to a PA? Yeah, to. it's just it's been sort of a little magic box of, nice. and especially when I'm playing solo, it's like that can go direct to PA. Uh-huh. It can go into the effects loop of another guitar amp, yep, sure. Um, and sort of have still that preamp sound, but maybe with a tube power amp still and speaker. Yep. Um, it can go straight into another amp and just sort of make it better. If the amp I've got pretty good, there's a switch that turns it sort of into an overdrive pedal then. Okay, so nice. It's it's my little uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, i I just ordered one. I saw a couple of videos online... And just went. Oh, I need something. I might as well order it and see how it goes. And I've been actually pretty surprised nice. with that. That's cool. Yeah, it definitely makes my electric guitar playing feasible yeah, live yeah. now. Oh, and yeah, no matter where I go, I can sort of pull those sounds.
0: I reckon you would sound great even just plugged into a Gorilla practice amp. But I get what I you love mean Gorilla about. practice Amps. Nam twenty
1: nineteen. <laughs> yeah it's uh you know the the crazy thing about tone and all those things is you can definitely get super excited about it and and listening to things, and we're all driven by it yeah um but I know I end up sort of sounding the same through everything, but ninety percent of why I would play through certain things is for me it's it's all my comfort. I'm not really thinking about how it sounds to other people sure it's it's all yeah. about um yeah, and especially for me because I do play with a lot of bottom end, and I think that comes from playing solo, of sure, wanting to yeah. reproduce things It probably annoys a lot of the bass players I play with. <laughs> but I, you know, I like when I hit my low E for it to be fat and round and huge. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I always sort of need some sort of amplification or preamp that can do that for me.
0: Yeah, sure. What about uh, mm. guitars? I saw a, a hilarious photo you posted um, for a recent overseas trip. I, I don't, can't remember where you were going, but you had a, a guitar. Essentially, you'd un, unscrewed a neck and you're trying to shove the body and the neck into a suitcase. And Yes, yeah. Joys <laughs> of flying
1: Jetstar internationally.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: what are you going to do, like, say, tomorrow you head off to the States? What, um, what
2: are you going to do for um your
1: guitar? It always varies, actually, depending on who I'm flying with and what my shows are. Uh, this next trip is uh, a solo performance, yeah. and it's actually it's at a guitar festival where... And my performance is actually for a guitar builder named Michael Greenfield okay. from Canada uh, who builds absolutely exquisite acoustic guitars. They're used by Andy McKee. Uh-huh. He's the guy that is probably the biggest flyer of... Michael's flag, but Keith Richards has bought them, and um, uh, who's the Men at Work guy? I'm just uh, I've just lost his oh, name. Oh, Colin Hay. Colin Hay yep. has been touring with one of his guitars quite a bit as well. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I'm just playing his guitars at that. So and they won't have pickups or anything in them, so they're on to microphones. Okay. So. <laughs> So that'll be totally in exposed for that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, wow. but yeah, actually for this trip I'll take uh, an archtop guitar made by Ryan Thorell in Utah. Okay. Which was this little um it's a fifteen inch arch top, which is pretty small yeah. for yeah. Archtop guitars, like when you think of the classic Gibsons and things are out at seventeen, 17. inches. Yep. Uh, and it doesn't have f holes either. It has an oval hole, more in the place where you would have an acoustic guitar sound. So, okay. the cool
2: thing about
1: the cool thing about that guitar is we designed it to sort of have a little bit more bass and acoustic response than most arch tops do. Okay. So it's a pretty funky sounding acoustic guitar that I can do radio interviews on and um, you know magazine interviews and that sort of thing, playing in front of people. But and it's. It's got a magnetic pickup. And so with that pickup, I can sort of plug into any amp. I can go direct to PA. Okay. Uh, okay, Actually, it's also got a condenser mic inside as well. It's got a DPA condenser. So you can pull a really beautiful sort of acoustic sound out of it and then unplug that and then plug into a tube amp and start shredding blues on it. So it's a really cool... Uh, guitar to take around when I can only take one and I sort of have multiple things to do uh, and that's what that guitar was sort of designed for.
0: Okay, nice Yeah. Sounds good man sounds awesome mm. What's um, what's the best way for people to keep up with you? Because um, you are everywhere <laughs> like you said, the yeah. first time we spoke was in Japan, then we met at yeah. Newtown, bumped yep. into you at Chatswood um, Yep and I was gonna speak uh, to you a couple of weeks ago, but you're in Vietnam.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's sort of just been a little bit chaos. Like the website's always the easiest place to start, which okay. is just adamiller.com dot AU. Okay. Yep. Nice. Uh, and then from there, like all the social, the social media stuff. vibes yeah. are from there. Yeah, yeah cool. you know. The Instagram and the Facebook. The yeah. Instagram's pretty fun still. Yeah. I'm not sure cool. how yeah. I'm not sure how excited I still am about people making careers out of one minute videos (laughs) but but at least there's something happening in this music and there's there's definitely always people pushing the extremes of what you can do on a guitar or what's sort of possible and doing it in that format and the access to it so Mm i do like i do like instagram i i don't have the patience to put the time into it that i really want but it's a it's a cool thing that uh I think will change a lot of the way we interpret music and do things and see artists
0: okay well, yeah. well Wait, when you say interpret music what what do you mean by that
1: uh oh well I guess this is possibly a whole other discussion yeah uh, and and especially i because i I do still teach at a university, so I'm lecturing in jazz and contemporary guitar, yeah, yeah. so a lot of my students um uh, you know, eighteen, nineteen, just out of high school,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of them have never seen a band in real life. Wow! They've never seen anyone actually perform music. Yeah. Uh, because even I guess just you know the way things have changed, like there's less bands in the corner of bars and pubs these sure. days yes. than there yeah. were like when I was that age twenty years ago. So, um the way they take on music and consume music is totally different and the way they find it. And, uh, you know, the the amount of people that will learn, like, these just one-minute clips from Instagram. And, like, they're awesome, but they never actually... Like, they don't actually find the connect to go on and learn the whole song or even find possibly that it is a whole song somewhere else. Yeah,
2: sure.
1: Or... It isn't a whole song. It actually is just this one-minute composition for Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's like you know the radio hit had to be you know what three minutes, yeah, three, yeah, three yeah. minutes fifteen or two minutes forty-five seconds. It's like the new hit now is fifty-nine seconds. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you you know it's it's, a it's sort of it, actually a, yeah it's a pretty cool idea actually. I, I've often thought about doing an album where everything goes for fifty-nine seconds. Yeah, I think it'd be, be pretty cool. awesome. That could be cool. <laughs> yeah, a ten-minute <laughs> yeah,
0: ten-minute album with ten tracks.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. that
0: that covers a couple of ideas. There's the Ramones, of course, where you could play their whole catalog in, you know, at a half-hour gig, and then yeah, um, you know, 20th-century classical composers doing miniatures. You know, that's not a, it's not totally unheard of. What you're talking about that could be cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think it. I think it's interesting. It depends where you're at, and especially when we're talking about. Um, earlier about, you know, space and that sort of thing in music. It's really hard to create space in a one-minute Instagram clip. Yeah, true. How do you <laughs> and so, yeah, oh. so that's always been, like, my my battle with it. Yeah. I have these two, I, I find it really fascinating that people can just keep coming up with these like, one-minute ideas, but at the same time, like, I just want to play these days, like, things that are really beautiful that you know, one minute, probably isn't enough to really soak into it, but, but that's what I mean. I think it, um, it's having more of an effect on the way people can share music okay. and see music and listen to music than yeah. I think people actually realise at the moment.
0: Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Mm. I mean, the very nature of just scrolling through your phone or scrolling through your app doesn't lend itself to stop and listen to much more than a minute in some ways.
1: No, that's exactly You're right. You're not looking and, for
0: something deep and, and meaty. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that's a habit in itself, I yeah. would say. So yeah. Track four on the album.
0: Track four on the album. The new album called <laughs> The Defining of Success, available on all these electronic outcomes. But you can actually buy CDs and vinyl as well.
1: You can buy CDs. You can pre-order vinyl, which will be uh, back in a couple of months because okay. that takes a while to... Yeah actually aggregate into existence, sure. but
0: um, yeah. Very cool, very cool. and thanks heaps. It's been great catching up again and, and getting stuck into your new record and all the other yeah. kind of stuff you've been up to, man.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for your time, Matt. Digging the program. I keep finding things I didn't know about, so that's oh, awesome. cool. Oh, thanks, man. Oh, that's Seriously. awesome. Yeah, that's but awesome cool. work. Seriously, dude, like there's just little things that I get through the podcast that are Like even like Chris Kamzala's releasing something that I would that I never saw anywhere else. Oh nice. Oh thanks. Man, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. I'm gonna get packing. Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) See
0: ya. Catch you later then. All right, there you go. My conversation with Adam Miller, who is now rushing off to find a guitar sized suitcase. (laughs) <laughs> to chuck some stuff in including a guitar the um, the album is so highly recommended so that all those avenues to check it out we spoke about uh, I encourage you to do so the track you're hearing now is comfortable we spoke about that during the interview I love this tune and my thanks to Adam for giving me permission to run some some excerpts of the, the songs um, throughout the podcast today remember you can find us on Facebook or Instagram and you know it's a huge help to us if you If you're enjoying the interviews, why not share them through your social media networks? Put up a link or something. Uh, It really helps us get the word out that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So that's very, very much appreciated. We're also on Patreon if you'd like to support us financially and help us with our running costs as well. That's, of course, appreciated as well. Thank you so much for joining me. As I said at the start of the show, two years. It's been awesome and, um, yeah, great privilege to bring these interviews to you all right my name's matt wakeling you've been listening to the guitar speak podcast we'll catch you next time bye now